and welcome to The Future Report, a podcast hosted by social research company McCrindle for anyone curious about the future. My name is Ashley Fell, and each week I'll be sitting down with a guest to discuss a topic or trend that you need to know about. Communication has never been as important as it is today because so much of our world is changing. We live in a world where our learning has changed, where our interactions have changed, and even how we share or even the concept of a story has changed. We're all living in an age of digital disruption in what we often like to call the great screen age, and I'm sure everyone can imagine why we call it that, where we spend more time on our devices than we ever have before. In these technologically integrated times, our attention spans are short. In times of message saturation and information overload, if you have an important message to communicate or a story, it can be harder than ever to cut through that noise and to reach people who do have shorter attention spans. At McCrindle, because we deal with data and demographics, we know the importance of good communication because not everyone gets as excited about these trends and ideas and data sets as we do. So we know that we have to work pretty hard to communicate it well. Instead of Excel spreadsheets, we use infographics. Instead of words, we try and use icons. So in light of all of this, in this in this age of digital disruption, I think it's really important that organizations get a better understanding of how they can communicate. And there's no one better to join us on the podcast today to talk about this than Ben Duffin, who is our team leader of design at McCrindle. And also, uh, he's also the brains behind the production of this podcast. He's been very involved in helping get this up. He's behind the scenes of every episode. And today, he's come to the forefront. He's come to the camera, to, to the microphone to talk about the power of visuals to tell a story. So Ben, welcome to your first appearance as a guest on the podcast. Thanks, Ash. It's great to be here and, you know, cool to be on the other side of the camera or the mic, as it were. Absolutely. So, thanks yeah. for having me. Oh, I we've been to, we've been wanting to have you on for a while and we always it was more just a matter of when uh, we were going to get you on and yeah, we think now is a really great time. And Ben, as you know, I love to ask this question of every guest, mm. um, but could you divulge what generation you belong to? Yes, so I am a Gen Y, although I like to say I'm a Gen Y living in a baby boomer body. Um, (laughs) You know, some people say, you know, they're young at heart. I like to think, you know, I've always thought I'm old at heart. Take that how you will. Yeah. Um, No, there was one time actually I I went to the physio (laughs) and he told me I had the hips of an 80-year-old man. I was like, oh, gosh, that stinks. Um, so maybe that's a, maybe that's a topic for uh, another podcast. We'll look at some physical work well-being or something like that. Yeah. Come, come back to me next time on the podcast and we'll see. Yeah. Maybe oh. I'll have, uh, upgraded to a 70 year old man. Yeah. Nice. I feel like I'm a little bit the same. Sometimes I'm like, I feel like a, an older, old soul, you know, like, mm, I'm like oh, mm. love a night in, love a cup of tea, love, you know, <laughs> doing things that aren't, aren't stereotypes of our generation. But then other times I'm like, oh, I want to be young. And, you know, we always have conversations in the office with the Gen Zs of the team, like, That's what right. are the latest trends? What's going on? So yeah, generation, generational conversations are interesting. And Ben, I mean, you've got a really interesting career background story. Mm. You've been at McCrindle for um, a few months longer than, than I have. We're two of the longest right. standing That's team right. members. How did you get into this? It's a pretty niche area, I imagine, of of data visualization. Yeah, that's right. I mean, certainly, I mean, it's been almost nine years of internet Kindle here now. It was mm. very niche back then, um, certainly becoming more mainstream and seeing huge growth uh, year on year now. Mm. Um, but I mean, I really just fell into it. It wasn't something kind of I went looking for. I um, My background is actually 
sorry, my, my, my formal education is in engineering, um, mechanical space engineering to be, uh, to be technical on As that. you do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I like to say to, to people um, when I'm in a self-effacing uh, kind of mood that I went from designing satellites to designing pretty pictures. Um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. The engineering life wasn't, uh, wasn't really for me. I felt very creatively stifled uh, while I was a uni. Mm-hmm. Um, part of that was was the work and part of it was just the the workload um anyway i managed to find this field of data visualization which um was just a a great fit for the way that my brain works because i've obviously doing engineering kind of got that maths and kind of data coding kind of side of things Mm. um but also the real creative side as well which which i missed and it had been kind of a hobby of mine for a long time so it was awesome to be able to bring those two worlds together in in what i do now is it accurate to say that your degree was kind of like rocket science? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, I mean, our, our first year, um, we had a, a project in, in one of our first year space subjects where we literally had to code to get the rocket to to get a rocket to the moon. Yeah, wow. Um, so that was that was pretty full on. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'd love to take credit for this joke, but it's not mine. So it's it's Kim, our another producer, but she's we were talking before about your That's role. Been scheming. We have as we do, <laughs> and she's like, you know, it's people always ask Ben, you know, like what's it like? You know, it's not rocket science, and you can be like, well, actually, this is what rocket science is because you know you're qualified in like in that area. But um, it is pretty niche, but it's also just so interesting and fascinating. Even what you were sharing around, I imagine it's pretty rare that people have, like you said, those two what we probably think are polar opposite skill sets like creative versus kind of that um like data problem solving mathematical mind but in your role you've got both and it's just it's you're such an asset to our organization because you it's not just graphic design that you do it's data visualization so you've got to understand the story what the main point is around the data it's quite technical it's not just designing pretty pictures like you mentioned earlier it's a lot more than that so yeah our clients are very lucky and you've paved the way even for us in terms of yeah one of our hallmark and trademarks at McCrindle being our infographics and our visualization and our animated videos I mean that's really what sets us apart from being just a sort of research-based advisory agency we've got in-house communicators you lead a team of data designers so yeah you've really paved the way in this area and it's such a a blessing, I think, for many of our listeners today to get an insight into the trends that you're seeing and the future of this area. And I mean, Ben, you know, you shared just then your background, but when people ask what you do at McCrindle, like what <laughs> what words, what language do you use to describe your role here day in, day out? Mm, mm, mm. I think at the core of it, what I do is make data easy to understand or make data accessible mm-hmm. um, to people. I think, and, and we'll go into this I'm sure a bit bit later, but increasingly in a world of um, you know big data is the buzzword. There's just more and more data flooding, 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 and it's really hard for people to get a grasp on that. And so, what I do, and indeed what we try and do here as a whole at McCrindle, is is just to make the complex simple, to to mm-hmm. take all that mess of data and make it into something that's um, you know accessible that's memorable, that's beautiful, so you, you actually want to look at it, um, all those things. It's just really, yeah, creating that that access point um, to data, to information, to insights that people just might not have otherwise. Yeah, I imagine not many people think data and demographics equating to the word beautiful, and I guess mm. we kind of step in and try and challenge that. And, and even for me, like I, I get a lot of 
accolades when I go and speak at events, but a lot <laughs> of it probably is owed to you and your team because you're the ones creating the slides and the, the yeah, that kind of, like you said, we're, we're distilling it, we're making that complex idea or data set actually understandable and not just understandable, but actually inspiring. And again, mm-hmm. that's the feedback that we get often for the for the team of us who go out and speak at events where they're like, oh, I wasn't expecting that to be so engaging and interesting and story-based, but you and your team play a huge role in that. And I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, we mm-hmm. see the relevance in every day, I think, of why we need to you know, visuals to communicate. We see that in the younger generations. Ben, you're even a dad to, you know, two little Gen Alphas. Do you? That's right. That's you must right. You must believe in the relevance um, of using visuals <laughs> to communicate, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Although there is a certain irony to uh, doing this over a podcast. But yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a plug for everyone. Go watch this on YouTube. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially with the, the, the young kids. I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, why aren't there more picture books for adults like i'm sure mm. there's a, a niche market for that but um yeah just the 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 power of visuals to it's a it's a great leveler right mm-hmm. um no matter what kind of um education level or wh- whatever you have everyone can understand the visuals uh, it's amazing um to see to see that that grasp that people can have over visuals um a deeper grasp and a just a faster grasp of information mm-hmm. um that might not other otherwise come clear through words yeah um i mean obviously just the visuals has got such a a storied history throughout all of humanity's existence you know from dating back to cave paintings hieroglyphs Mm -hmm. um that kind of thing i mean i mean you say um cliches like a picture tells a thousand words and it's a cliche for a reason um i guess the caveat to that is you can say a lot with words but the the problem is you have to either be really 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 good with words you've got to be a pro mm-hmm. um and there are lots of great pros out there or you've got to use a lot of words mm. both of those are, are real hurdles for accessibility so i really see the visuals as as kind of like the great the great leveler and the great yeah tool for for accessibility i think yeah just to be able to go deeper into something uh faster but also to retain that information longer, like it's a memory game. Um, oh, absolutely. If you can, yeah, if you can picture something, there's there's a visceral understanding there as well, which helps you to remember it, and also um, a real kind of inspirational aspect as well. Which um, I, I guess that's the thing with communication, isn't it? Like it's not enough just for someone to understand something; they've got to understand it. Then they've also got to remember it. And then they've actually also got to act on it. Like there's kind of three steps there. And yeah, sometimes you can't even get the first one down. <laughs> you kind of got to get the understanding first. But the visuals really help in not only the understanding, but also the memory, but also just that inspiration to actually act on the information that you've, that you've gathered. Absolutely. And again, I feel like I'm you're putting into words so much of my role here. You know, both of us are probably on that communication side of the research and the data and the insights that we gather. And even yeah, when we present our presentations, our slides at events, I've I've had instances before where people are like, "Oh, like we're not sure if we're going to have like slides set up." And I'm like, <laughs> "Um, okay, how am I going to do that?" And I think Mark's actually shared with me and and the team before where like they, he was speaking at a dinner event, and they had a blackout, and they had like candles, mm-hmm. candles had to be lit, and I'm like, I don't even know how I would 
do a presentation without the slides that you've designed, Ben. Uh, like, you would do a great job. No, <laughs> <laughs> it would be so hard because so much of it is built into the the slides and even the humour. Like we use the power of that's reveals right. and, and that's, that's I guess, coming into that story element where you don't just mm-hmm. put all the information up straight away. And I even, you know, I'm sure obviously I – present a lot and I've got to read the room, which was such a challenge, obviously, in in lockdown where we had to present Mm, without seeing people's responses and responding Mm -hmm. to the audience and their energy and engagement. But yeah, sometimes if I see I'm losing people or they've looked down at their phone or their device, which we're all guilty of doing when we're trying to be paying attention to something. And I say, okay, I'm going to show you something. And like, I I actually use like verbal cues and I always see people go, what are you going to show me? Like they're, they're, they're disengaged. <laughs> and then I kind of tease them with like, oh, and this next slide or, oh, I found this so interesting and, you know, what I'm going to show you next mm-hmm, or let mm-hmm. me show you this and they just can't help but look. So, yeah, I That's mean the right. visuals play a huge role for us in communication but also because we're working with data and information and, yeah, again, I can just – Imagine that people come in to our presentations or even to our, to look at our reports if they haven't seen, you know, our our trademark which you've kind of built Ben around our data visualization and design. Mm. Their expectation might be pretty low, and then they come in, they're like, "Wow, that was so interesting! I wasn't expecting it." And the visuals just play an absolutely huge part. And also, like I mentioned, the storytelling aspect. And you gave a few reasons, even just in your previous answer, Ben, around mm. yeah, the importance of storytelling and why it is timeless. And it's been this sort of like you said ancient way of communication that we're coming back to even with use of emojis and and things like that (laughs) i mean storytelling is is crucial um yeah you must believe in that as well in terms of it just being essential and timeless to how we communicate today yeah that's right i mean as similar to what i was saying about visuals being a great level i think stories are as well like we all have a story you know whether you think your story is interesting or not you you've got a story um but yeah, it is just that ancient way of communication. It's how knowledge has been transferred from generation to generation um, since the beginning of humankind. Like, I think another powerful aspect of of storytelling is um, the the connections that it forms. Like, as human mm. beings, we're we're built for relationships, um, and stories really connect people and places and ideas, and they they form those bonds. I think um, another key aspect to that 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 element of storytelling being a great leveler is that storytelling is uh, a way of learning that works for everyone. Uh, you people probably heard, you know, there's um, visual learners, auditory learners, um, and kinesthetic learners. Mm-hmm. Um, those you know who learn by doing or experiencing or feeling. Um, there's aspects of storytelling which actually work for all three of those. So. It, it really just helps us to, you know, you know, for the visual learners to actually picture something in their mind's eye, for the auditory learners, you know, to hear the the words of the story, for, for the kinesthetic learners to actually feel the emotions that the, the characters are, are experiencing. Um, so storytelling, it, it just really works for, for everyone. I think um, I touched on it before, but the, the other aspects um, that really helps just in communication in general is that, is that memory um, that memory aspect, there was a, um, I mean, there's been a, a few studies done, but I saw one stat that um, facts are 20 times more likely to be remembered if they're part of a story. Like, that's huge. Like, mm. 20 times. And, you know, how can you actually act on something if you can't even uh, remember it in the first place? Yeah. So, I mean, stories there. <laughs> 
it sounds a bit funny if I say it like this, but at, at the heart of it, they're uh, emotional manipulation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let, let me let me explain that a bit. But basically, the the elements that make up the story, um, you know, key things like progression, journey, uh, narrative, mm-hmm. suspense, cliffhangers, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, they release uh, chemicals in the brain, um, like dopamine um, is an example which helps us to kind of uh, to focus and to have motivation and helps us to remember remember things. And that comes through in storytelling um, in things like when you're waiting for something to happen or something suspenseful or cliffhanging. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a key storytelling, uh, storytelling element, especially in the... Um, you know all the episodic TV that we've got these days. There's always got to be a cliffhanger at the at the end of the episode mm-hmm. to get you onto the next one. So that's dopamine. Um, then you've got oxytocin as well, which uh, helps you be creative and um, sorry, sorry. Um, you've got oxytocin, which helps you to be uh, generous and to trust and to to bond with people. Um, and that comes through that em- empathetic um, idea of storytelling. Uh, that you can relate to the characters, you can relate to their experiences, and then you can translate to that that to your own environment. Um, and then you've got endorphins as well, um, which helps you to be uh, creative and, and relaxed and focused. And, and endorphins, the, the simplest way to explain that is it comes from laughter. And that's something that uh, mm-hmm. you, Ash, and, and Mark, and all the, the presenters at McCrindle, you guys do that really well by including humor in your presentations. And that, that creates that, that really human-centric element and just gets people on side with you. Mm. Um, so uh, there's just so much goodness around stories that, is really inherent to who we are as human beings, inherent to how we have always communicated and transferred information and just um, inherent to how we experience life. Mm. And I love that, everything you shared then around, yeah, the fact that it's timeless. But I think even as I shared in the introduction, I mean, we, we spent a lot of time in our role at McCrindle looking at the context and how the world's changing. And it's even more relevant today because, yeah, that storytelling is timeless and it does cut through the noise and it does enable people to focus. And, yeah, I remember when I delivered um, a TED Talk about a very similar topic to what we're talking about today, the power of storytelling in a digital Mm. era and Mm. began talking about the very hungry caterpillar and kind of trying to, again, again, trying to employ in a very – um, I guess subconscious way, even those elements of storytelling communication you were sharing around trying to connect with the audience early, trying to make them laugh early so they build you build the rapport and the trust and so that That's then you right. can communicate the message because they've you've built that rather. And I think for us again, we see that it's really important because if you just la- if someone just launches into a presentation, if they've if they've invested money and time and effort into gathering research and evidence and data, if they've you know commissioned us to run a study about something, that's only half the project. Then they've got to communicate that and they've actually got to yeah, yeah share the story with their stakeholders. And that's where, again, you come in with your team and you're like, okay, how are we going to do that? Is it an infographic? Is it a visualized report? Is it an animated video? Um, let's think about, yeah, these elements of communication and storytelling that enable people to, yeah, not only engage with the information, but like you said, be inspired. And I love those elements you mentioned around not even just understanding content, but then making it memorable so that people can actually be inspired to go and do something different, take an action point. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Ben, your wisdom is really coming through in this podcast. I'm loving this. And I guess (laughs) for – I'm always intrigued, Ben. I'm just genuinely um, keen to hear what you say about this because, you know, as someone who 
like you're a, a leader in the field of, of data design and, and you lead our team of designers how do you like? Do you feel pressure to keep up with the latest design trends? I mean, you're in a very mm. creative industry and and field. Um, how do you how do you keep up to date with what's going on with with keeping relevant, even with that really specific sort of yeah graphic design element? We talked about the timeless element of stories, but in mm-hmm, terms of mm-hmm, what the, mm-hmm. how the trends change, how do you keep up with it all? Sure. I mean, obviously, yeah. The the timeless element of storytelling. Or uh, visual communication itself it doesn't necessarily change, but the the methods and the means that 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 comes across, um, mm. yeah, can can change over time. I mean, in one sense, it's a little bit of a trick question. I, I don't I don't feel a great deal of pressure um, to keep keep up with design trends. I sp- I suppose what I mean around that is you've got to be able to distinguish what's a trend and what's a fad. Yeah, and that's kind of just good advice for life i suppose <laughs> yeah true <laughs> just try not not to buy into the fads um cuz cuz trends can be really helpful in engaging uh, with a specific audience or with a specific generation um or that kind of thing uh but that, you can also kind of fall into that trap i, I see it happen a lot um especially in, in social media and online and that kind of thing. A lot of designers, you know, they, they just post the latest trend and it's, you know, it's round corners or it's, you know, skewmorphism, ne- neomorphism, all these kind of buzzwords get thrown around. Yeah. Um, and they live online for a couple of years, but they don't necessarily actually translate into real-life projects. So they look awesome on your portfolio or they look awesome on your, your website, your, your Twitter, your Instagram, whatever. Um I'd be wary of kind of chasing after the the design trends, though. Mm. They can be um, really helpful just as a personal kind of learning thing to explore how you might do something different, um, explore how you might communicate something different. Um, But I guess I always judge them off kind of base design principles and just a basic tenet of communication like is this actually helping me to communicate the message mm. and if it's not well it's it, it's not not worth me chasing after i mean that being said i think in terms of um design inspiration i think one thing that's actually really helpful is to look outside of the design bubble mm. um and for different people that that might look uh, like different things i know for example my um uh, my sister, she's into fashion, and she, but she's also a designer, and so she takes a lot of inspiration from the from the fashion world. Um, or, for example, I, I like to look at um, you know interior design or mm-hmm. landscaping, all that kind of thing. And it, it might seem obscure, like oh, what's the what's the link between landscaping and graphic design? Um, but I actually really like synthesizing some wider trends to actually then bring them into or adapt them to, to, to graphic design. So that, that's that's an idea. That's something I like to do. Um, but then, I mean, as far as just kind of general design inspiration goes, there are you know, some sites that have been around for ages, Dribble, um, Behance. I look at those two a bit. Um, and Instagram as well. There's just some yeah. designers I, I follow on there. So no no fancy answer there. Pretty pretty standard stuff. But um, yeah. Yeah. There's amazing designers out there. I mean, it's it's um, it can be a bit depressing actually if you go out there and just just look at what people are doing. You're like, oh wow! But you've actually got to remind yourself, no, no, no. I'm doing real work. I'm doing projects. They're having impacts, um, and, and I'm staying true to what I know will communicate the best and get the best outcome. Yeah, and yeah, like I guess any organization, any individual in a particular field or area, you've got to balance that tension between 
like the cutting edge and the new versus the mm. what mm. works well and, and the practical. Um, and so, yeah, that's a tension even that, that we talk about sometimes as well in terms of infographics um, and, and visuals and going, okay, is this, is this too far ahead uh, for our clients or for the, the brand of the organization or the, or the sense? Right. And so even for us as we, as, and you've been so instrumental, Ben, as well in the history of McCrindle of our rebranding and yeah, how we communicate through our visuals, through our messaging, thinking about all of that. It's, it's a complex area. Um, and so, yeah, there's there's a few layers that I think, and it's multifaceted that you've got to think about with regards to mm-hmm. to visuals and and how you get that message across. And I know that you've um, done a few upskilling things with our team and at uh, events, and I've even taken some of your content and shared it in my mm-hmm. presentations. Something that I like four areas that I really appreciated, very practical tips that you shared before are around. Um, clarity, space, color, and iconography, and even just mm. keeping those things in mind as people think about if they're putting a presentation together, whether that be in a corporate sense or, or if they're a high school mm. student or if they're mm. thinking about communicating something using visuals. I mean, do you have any other sort of practical advice if you've got even people in your life who ask you, what should I do here? Do you have any go-to sure. things, tried and tested things sure. that you like to lean on? Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I've kind of touched on it before, but I don't think there's really any um, silver bullets. I think for me, um, even in more complex or advanced projects, um, I'm always reminding myself of the basics. I mean, of course, I've done it Mm. for a while, so it's second nature for me um, a lot of the time. Um, But just getting those communication design um, basics down, um, I I think is is absolutely key. You don't necessarily need to be um, cutting edge. You don't necessarily need to do um, anything different, um, especially this This applies specifically in the field of, um, of data viz. I know um, people like often like to do very complex charts and that kind of thing. Oh, sometimes all you need is just a simple bar chart. Um, yeah. I think one of the, one of the biggest um, mistakes that Microsoft ever made with their office suite was making 3D charts available on Excel. I was like, whoever was responsible for that? <laughs> what a shocker. It's, um, or, it's up for debate whether the uh, the 3D charts or the uh, the word art is the, <laughs> is the number one faux pas of that software. But Yeah. I mean, you guys, when you're speaking, you talk about the um, the four R's. I feel like, yeah, those kind of things that – I forget what they are, but – Oh, I – let me let me re- remind myself and you and all of our listeners of them. So, um, we talk about real, relevant, responsive, and relational. In and yeah. we can we apply those to lots of different contexts. But I totally think can be applied here in terms of storytelling and yeah, your your message, making sure it's it's got relevance, that it's relational, that people can be inspired and walk away from it. And it reminds me of another. And again, we love. Um, you know, alliteration here, obviously, and we've got the four eyes yeah. <laughs> of of storytelling even around. And I feel like you've already spoken to these and just reframed them, oh, but right. yeah, yeah. creating interest, um, having something that instructs people, that people feel involved with, and then that they feel inspired by. Mm. Um, mm. So again, mm. if you can hit mm. those different elements in your piece of communication with these different tactics around storytelling, around visuals, um, around the message, then, yeah, that's kind of some of the advice that that we give. That's pretty broad stroke. But then, yeah, I love yours yeah. as well, Ben. It's a bit more specific. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll jump into some more though. But, yeah, mm. I, I suppose some of those those basics are like know your audience, like know, know who you're speaking to. And, and that's mm. kind of what we are talking about before in terms of um, 
trends. You know, some trends will work for a certain generation or for a certain audience. Um, you know, we've had certain projects here where we've, you know, we've gone too far. We've tried to be cutting edge and like, uh, what is this? Like, and it's often the case, you know, trends uh, and fashion and that kind of thing is is cyclical and things that were, you know, they go in and out of fashion and, and they come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had things that they've come back and they're like, oh, that looks really old. And I'm like, oh, no, it's back in again. But you, you, you <laughs> can fall into before. that. <laughs> yeah, you can fall into that trap. So you you really got to know your audience in, in terms mm-hmm. of um, how you can actually communicate. I think, um, I mean, it probably goes without saying, but I should say it anyway. You got to know your content. Like if you're going to communicate to someone else, you got to make sure that you actually know what you're talking about. You've done your background research so that you can be confident when you're actually communicating that because people are smart. They'll they'll call you out if they yeah <laughs> think that you're you're making it up or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, just keep it keep it simple as much as possible. Mm. I think this is a trap that um, I, I actually think this is of all the things I'm going to mention. I think this is the the biggest one that, that we fall into sometimes. Um, is just to just to try and communicate too much. We're almost too passionate about all the data and stuff that we have. We just want to share it all. Um, yeah, <laughs> but th- it actually ends up. You know, it's it's a negative sum game. Like you can't just do one plus one equals two. It actually ends up being one plus one equals zero. Um, Because if you've got multiple messaging going on, people actually won't even focus on one message. They'll just be flicking between the two. And then forget anything else you want to try and say. You've already lost them. But to kind of take someone on that journey, and then this goes back to the storytelling thing, to kind of take someone on that journey, you've got to have the one key point. Like know what it is that you're audience is going to walk away remembering this is your one takeaway point any project you're doing no matter what type of project design project whatever project if you can figure out what your one key point is the rest will flow much more naturally and and, and easily from there i suppose to talk about um specifically more more design principles i mean you mentioned some of them before um i'd say yeah the the four key ones to keep in mind there are Time. So you go search design principles. People have lists of 10, 12, 5, whatever. Yep. Um, four key ones, I think, to keep in mind are um, color, contrast, size, and movement. Mm. Um, specifically around, we're, we're talking about kind of um, communication being engaging. Um, I guess I'll, I'll start with contrast. So, um, yeah, being a, being a dad of two, two young boys, I know... I was told, like, from the moment they're born, the things that they can actually see, because it takes a couple of weeks for the eyes to develop, the things that they can see first is contrast. So, as humans, from the moment that we're born, the first visual distinction that we can have is contrast. That's really key, you know, black and white. Um, Making the things that are most important um, really stand out via Mm. contrast Mm -hmm. um, is key. And then if you want to try and move on to a secondary message, well... Make it smaller. Make it yeah, make it less contrast. You know, more a grey on a white, or, mm. or that kind of thing. Um, and then color flows from that. That's another thing that really grabs our attention. But not only does it grab our attention, it can also um, influence our emotions. Or it has emotional messaging mm-hmm. attached to it. Um, you know, red like passion or love, or uh, yellow excitement or energy. You know, things like that. Um, they they can communicate really powerful messages. Um, size is an interesting one. Um, bigger is not necessarily better, but it is more noticeable. There's <laughs> um, a there's a funny thing in the in the design world where 
you're always uh, dreading the feedback that the client says, make the logo bigger. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a certain truth to that in the sense that, yeah, if you make the logo bigger, it's going to be more noticeable. But is that actually the key message that you want to take away? Yeah. Just the logo? Yeah. Like, what's the point in having a logo if there's no actual useful content associated Mm. with it? Uh, And the other one is movement. Um, And movement just really grabs our attention. Mm. And this depends on what kind of um, medium you're using to do your communication. Um, But it doesn't even necessarily have to be um, visual movement, like in terms of like an animation or something like that. I I guess I use the word movement in a very broad sense. I mean, even if you were to think of music, like the dynamics in music to have like a soft part and then a loud part, like it really grabs your attention and it really helps you focus Mm. and just keeps you engaged mm-hmm. um it's like what you were saying earlier ash about when you're doing presentation you, you can notice when people are drifting off uh and you're like oh i'm going to show you something that that movement that transition that change mm. um it keeps people focused and it keeps people reoriented um so yeah they're they're kind of broad principles but hopefully in that sense, they're applicable to a lot of things. Oh, totally. And even just that element of movement, like part of me was wondering, oh, is that why we're so easily able to binge like TV shows? And again, it's like those story elements, cliffhangers, but even just, and we say, like we have a saying in our presentations that the number one search engine for probably not even just the emerging generations, but all of us now is no Mm. longer Google, it's YouTube, because why would you read something when you can watch it? And even that idea Mm. that Mm. it's moving, there's that story base, there's a a journey, like you said, but even just the colour and the picture and the movement, sometimes I include little GIFs in our our presentations or our upskills because they're like moving (laughs) memes, you know, like they're even the next step towards being more engaging. That's right. It's something that we definitely try like a lot to implement here and even again just what you were sharing around definitely it comes from us being passionate about topics but you know it's almost like tmi like too much information there's we're always like uh-huh. ben look at this yeah. storyboard and you're like reduce yeah. by 50 percent like yeah yeah cut it down <laughs> yeah tldr yeah absolutely too long didn't read so that's what we've got to you know like work to to avoid having that response and again like your expertise in that is is so helpful and it is our role in many cases to simplify and reduce and then again we take it to you and you're like reduce it even further there's too many messages <laughs> there's too much content so yeah it's it's so helpful to have you know your eyes and and your creative but also a data you know based mind overlooking all of our messaging our communication for our clients and Ben as you think about you know, the future of storytelling, the future of data viz, where do you see it going? Big question. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is a good question. I mean, the cop-out is to say that it's not going anywhere. <laughs> Stories have been around and they'll continue yeah, to be around. That's valid. But Pay that. The, the, the mediums will change. Um, mm. And I guess uh, particularly, you know, us thinking in a, in a business context, I think a lot of the time our communication has an end goal of helping people make better decisions. Yep. Um, And there's just increasingly more and more data, more and more noise. So the storytelling and the data viz kind of has to keep up with it. And we're fortunate. I mean, it's a little bit of a catch-22. There's more data and and more noise because of technology. But technology also is the answer to the problem Mm. in, in that the sense that we got more powerful computers. We've got AI and stuff that can actually analyze that big data and bring it into a format 
that is more accessible, that does help us make um, better decisions. Um, so uh, one thing where that'll come through is um, I think we'll start seeing a lot more uh, real-time data. Um, I know that's a, that's a big thing where, you know, the <laughs> pace of change is so fast these days and everyone wants everything this instant, you know, even... Mm. That's just been driven by companies like Amazon doing one-day shipping and that kind of thing. That's just oh, yeah. the world that we live in these days. So there's a certain expectation there for for access to data that it's got, that it's going to be real time. So that's going to be um, certainly mm. a, a, an increasing thing. Um, I think along with that, um, just greater personalization in the data, um, which will just help make better decisions because um, data will be more accurate. Um, it will be more meaningful to organizations or individuals and that kind of thing. I think obviously, um, yeah, the rise of AR, VR, um, that will that will have an uh, influence as well. I think it's yet to be seen how much of an influence it'll be. Um, I think at the moment it's still seen a bit of a as a bit of a gimmick, um, and I wonder how much it will stay as a gimmick, just because. As I said earlier, like humans built for relationships and that kind of thing. And yes, those platforms can um, enhance relationships in some aspects, but not so much in other aspects. So it'll be interesting to see how much uh, of a role uh, that plays. But yeah, to sum it up, I think storytelling is always going to exist. There might be some different methods of delivery, um, but there's that timeless essence of it, the connection um between people places ideas um that's that's gonna stay Mm. and it is it's really powerful that yeah that that aspect of storytelling those elements that are timeless even as the world continues to rapidly change Mm. it's comforting i think to many of us to go no there are there are things that that worked in the past that will work in the future regardless of whatever that context looks like and if you're yeah a communicator or anyone who's a bit overwhelmed, hopefully that's a little bit of comfort to us, even though we do need to remain relevant and adapt and change and innovate, that we also want to hold on to those things that are tried and tested and have worked for generations past and will work for generations um, in the future. But that's right. incredible insights from you, Ben, today. Thank you so much for joining us. And I think You're a welcome. really great mix of like profound concepts, but then also like practical advice. I mean, I've, I feel like I've taken a lot of notes and learned even from you, even though <laughs> we've worked together for eight years. So incredible. Thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome, Ash. It's been great to be. And thank you, Ben, as well. I feel like just on behalf of everyone for even just helping us get this podcast up and editing and everything. Like it's it's so it's such a, a joy for me who's obviously on the more public facing side to be able to, mm-hmm. yeah, showcase your insight and expertise in this area, but also just to have a big thanks to you and, and to Kim as well, who yeah, have really just made this podcast happen. Um so big thanks for you to you for that as well and if people are enjoying the podcast as always we'd love for people to leave a review on apple Podcasts or on spotify and if people would like to look at you know ben ben and his team's latest infographics or any of our data or design uh, we host a lot of that on our website which is mccrindle.com um, and you can also subscribe to obviously the podcast and follow us on socials to keep up to date with what we've got going on but once again everyone thank you for listening and bye for now <laughs>